Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Focused on Forward. Today, we have the privilege of speaking with Lois Hollis. Now, the reason we're speaking with Lois is that many times here in our show, we talk about what it takes to overcome things. We hear personal stories of people overcoming their life's challenges and obstacles, the things that have uh, or could have derailed their life at some point. But each one of our stories, these folks have chose to be focused on moving forward. And so we're so grateful to have all of our guests. But today, Lois is a shame and guilt educator and counselor. And the reason I wanted Lois on the show is that we talk to all these people, but it's nice sometimes to have resources, places for people to go, places for people to uh, look up information and be educated. That's why we talked with uh, uh, Jory Prajinsky a few months back at, at Hope Instilled and what he does and how he's trying to help folks. And, and that's why we're talking with Lois today. So Lois, thank you so much for being on our show today. We're excited to, to kind of get into this with you a little bit. Oh, thank you for this opportunity to help people. Yeah. Uh, so if you would, please, uh, why don't you give our audience a little bit of a background, a little bit of backstory about who Lois Hollis is and, and why this field of expertise is where you chose to hang your hat? That is a very good question. And people say, how can you make shame and guilt a study? Um, it doesn't exist. I get that a lot. And then people say, there's nothing you can do about that. So I hear you, and I'm going to bring you to a place where you can be in charge and you can conceivably, with time, release it and avoid it in the future. Okay, stay with me. I'm 77, so therefore I'm going to make it quick. <laughs> we would be here for a long time. Somewhere in my 50s, um, then that's after a brilliant career. I mean, brilliant meaning I, for, I started the first kidney hemodialysis unit in Philadelphia in the 60s. Awesome. Um, I, I spoke um, the whole United States, uh, teaching them about hemodialysis. That's way before transplantation. So I was part of, not me only, but I was part of the group that initiated chemo hemodialysis as a possibility to extend life until transplantation was possible. Fantastic, um, I, okay. So also I was in the heart division at the University of Maryland 50 years ago when they were starting up with open heart surgery and valve surgery. So when I look back at my life, I'm always a new trailblazer. Like I'm the one that came up with this before people did. And somehow I'm looked back at it and say, wow, 
Um, I was like the first nurse entrepreneur in the 60s because nurses didn't do this. And so I had to tell nursing service I wasn't under them. I went to the president of the hospital. So I, for me to make shame and guilt a study when no one else did is second nature to me. So that's what I do. In my 50s, I was given the death sentence. Uh, and it was, it was very logical because my heart was failing. Mitral valve prolapse, people all know about a leaky heart. And I had that for many years and it just developed to be worse. I wasn't a candidate for any surgery. First of all, they weren't doing it at that time. And second of all, my heart muscle was damaged. I was a very abused child um, for whatever reason. I was uh, beaten a lot. I was, um, I had several brain traumas by being thrown on concrete cement or thrown oh down my. the steps. Wow. Um, and it wasn't until my 50s that I realized that I actually did die at one time and uh, remember being sent back with, um, you know, more um, energy. So what I'm saying to you is that I was very abused, but and I couldn't read or write because I had so many brain traumas. You, I had dyslexia, but in this, in um, let's see, 60 years ago, they didn't talk about dyslexia. You know, you just were a stupid child. Right. Yeah. They just moved past you. And then I had Erin syndrome. And I realized that after I wrote my book that when I would pick up a book, all the words would move. So I couldn't read. And I remember that the teachers, they were the nuns. I went to Catholic school. I would pick up the book. And then I said to the teacher, the nun, I said, how do you stop the words from moving? They kind of slapped me. <laughs> I was like, who's this kid trying to make fun of reading? Right. They probably thought you were being a smart aleck. Yeah. I mean, we're talking 60 years ago. Okay. And I stuttered. So I stuttered and I couldn't read. And I asked, why do the words keep moving? So I remember, and then, and then the second time they brought me in front of the class, and we're talking second grade, okay, really young. I turned the book around upside down because I thought, gee whiz, maybe if I turn the book around, the words won't move. <laughs> it got slapped again. So that was my childhood. Um, and I remember the teachers talking to my parents that she's what we call an idiot and she's not teachable. So we, since we're a Catholic school, we will keep her, but don't expect anything from her. Okay. So that's my legacy of my childhood. Oh, how sad is that? <laughs> but you know, what was interesting, Tim, was I passed every test. I, I, I we're talking about um, intuition, God, whatever you want to call it. I was, I was protected at some point anyway. So in my fifties and I got into the universe, I was success successful in getting into the university of Pennsylvania. You know, that's an Ivy league school for my nursing. Yeah. yeah. So I went, how can that be? Well, I did a lot of tap dancing. I tap danced all my life from like eight years old to a teenager. And for anybody listening, that is one of the treatments for dyslexia. Oh, really? I, I had no idea. 
because the left brain and the right brain can start communicating through your muscle movement. Okay. So I must've danced a lot because I could read and I could write (laughs) and I could talk. And um, I didn't have therapy because they didn't think, you know, there wasn't such a thing as dyslexia or urine syndrome. But anyway, through the grace of God and tap dancing, I got into an Ivy League college, okay? And started the same, the kidney hemodialysis unit. I um, was a nurse at the um, racetrack for Mario and Duretti for the um, Indian 500. I mean, okay, so that's my story. However, so in the 50s, when I was about 50, all the brain traumas and all the emotional traumas, as your audience can um, understand, took toll. You know, I was bent over, had severe scoliosis, my heart was compromised. And for your listeners to hear this, I had migraine headaches for 30 years. Oh, no, thank you. And I took um, Furanol. It was the doctor's prescription because they said, you won't live long enough. So you may also take this Furanol because it'll help ease the pain and it helps um, raise the serotonin. So it wasn't as bad as like um, an opiate, but it was an addictive drug. So for 30 years, I was on Furanol, like three or four a day because the pain was so severe. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And I'm 70 now, so everything's possible. (laughs) So um, I finally got some therapy in my 50s because I was very depressed, even though I had some beautiful children and my life worked. Um, I, I, um, I still wasn't happy. And I think people can relate to that. Like I wasn't suicidal anymore because therapy helped me. And um, I was a great mother. I took care of my children and everybody was happy, but I still wasn't happy. I wasn't whole and I was very crippled because of the scoliosis, all the beatings and my heart wasn't functioning. And if your heart doesn't function, your kidneys don't function. And the doctor said, you'll be dead in um, five, six years. And as a nurse, he was right. I mean, how can you function with all of that? Well, I met um, a physician who was also a chiropractor, acupuncture and person. And uh, he did different types of healing than um, we are most uh, used to. And he had helped me restructure my body. Um, the brain trauma was released from my head. Uh, my heart was normal. And um, I was like, I can live. I was so excited. But I had this emotional trauma of abuse. And I still wasn't happy. I've been to every therapy and I always knew inside of me that it would be okay. And I think your audience can relate to that. Somehow, even though it all looks bad, some part of you in saying, it can work. It can work. You're going to be okay. I don't know how, but it's going to. So when, when I was in group counseling, someone asked me, what do you do about shame? And I went, ah, that's an interesting word. This is in the, um, let's see, 20 years ago, 15, 20, about 18 years ago. So I went to the uh, library and looked it up and we didn't have internet. 
um, at that time. So I looked it up in this sickness of the soul and I studied it and studies and I was very um, honored to receive information. Let's say, you know, starting the kidney unit, starting this, that, you know, I didn't read that in books. I just knew things. Why? I don't know, but I'm blessed. And then all of a sudden, I realized that shame and guilt were the only problem I had. I didn't have to go to anxiety counseling, anger management. I uh, didn't have to um, work on my hurt and anger. I just had to work on shame and guilt. And at that time, I had clients. I was working with clients. And they, when in our discourse, I was helping them heal. But I was also getting more information. And everybody I worked with, when I said, okay, you're anxious, your anxiety, you've been in therapy for 10 years. Let's try another way. We're going to go right to the problem. The problem is shame and guilt. And within one or two sessions, they were okay. And like people came to me and they sent their cousins and their sisters and their, everybody to me, and they all had the same effect. And I went, oh my goodness, everybody needs to know this. And then I said, Lois, you should start charging for this. I said, charging for what? I'm just telling them about shame and guilt. And then they get well. It's really not rocket science. So I wanted, I was like so happy because at, let's say, um, 50 or 60, I just turned 60. I didn't, I could finally live without being hurt. People didn't have to hurt me anymore because I knew about shame and guilt. I was like, I am not dying now because I just realized how I can live happy. So I was, I was tap dancing. I was so, so happy. And people were saying, oh, we love for you to talk, you know, on our conference and our summits. And they said, what is your topic? That's shame and guilt. Oh, we don't talk about that. Now you can talk about love and joy and happiness, but we don't talk about shame and guilt because that doesn't exist. And I go, well, how can you fix a problem if you don't know the, the cause? They said, oh, well, we don't, you know, you, you're not invited. So for like all these years, I couldn't talk about it. Well, I did, but it was a very small group. Now the virus has opened up a whole plethora of opportunities now because people are more secluded and they are dealing with their emotions. So I'm like, can you talk about shame and guilt? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're asking me to do that. So why does this work by going to shame and guilt directly and dealing with your depression and your addictions? I was addicted for 30 years. I understand. And when I got well, I'm going, oh no, I can't take my pills anymore. Oh my God, I'm addicted. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. And then yeah, well, I had to how it works. It, usually it sneaks up on people. They don't realize they're addicted to something until it's, you know, the light. We're, kind of we're talking 30 years. I mean, like, duh, right. how, how dense do you have to be, Lois? <laughs> but anyway, I, that's a real story. And I remember that and went, wow, okay, what can shame guilt do about addiction? Okay, see, so that's where I was moving on to it. So why I would like to answer the question, why is shame guilt so 
removal of it so effective and why is it different than what other people are saying? Yeah, please do. Okay, now we all understand that love is an energy. Love comes into us, right? And what do we feel? Oh, happy. Happiness, there's a glow about it. Yeah. Yeah, and we're confident, like, sure, I can ride that motorcycle. Sure, I can do that. There's no question in your mind. Now, I'm telling you that shame and guilt, and I say shame, guilt, because it's the same energy, is an energy. I ain't saying it's an emotion. Shame, guilt is an energy in direct opposition to our love energy. And what does shame, guilt energy do? Well, what, is it, what does that virus do to your computer? Well, it shuts it down. Shuts it down and the Microsoft Office doesn't work too well and you all of a sudden you don't have Microsoft Office anymore and then you do and then you have the Samsung. It's right. It's right. just crazy. It's crazy. Okay. Shame, guilt, energy does the same thing to our body. It distorts it. You're not the problem. Shame, guilt's the problem. Okay, so what does shame, guilt do? Shame, guilt comes into our body. Why? Because people say, oh, you stupid jerk, or like, how did you do that? You're really dumb. You should have been knowing that, or other people can do it, and why can't you? I mean, we're shamed constantly. We don't even know it. So that's why I'm an educator. I teach what is shame, guilt behavior, because we don't know. We live it every day. Right. It's a constant influence on the world around us. And uh, Europe has it. Asia has it. Pakistan, everybody has it. So we're not special. So when the shame, guilt energy comes in, which is negative, it turns our compassion into depression. It turns our intuition to anxiety. It turns our passion into anger. Okay. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. All because it it is sense. And people go, you know, it's, I'm telling you like it is. So shame, guilt, energy is outside of us, right? It does not belong to humanity. People say it's normal. It is not normal to have shame, guilt, energy within you. It's not normal to feel shame or guilt. It has no moral effect to us. You say, oh, we need shame because we got to be moral. I'm saying to you that we can evolve out of that stigma and say, I'm on this podcast because I want to help people. Rather than saying, oh, if I don't answer Tim's request, I feel so guilty. Right. See the difference? I'm asking people to evolve out of that guilt. Okay. Shame guilt guilt is not of us, so therefore we can get rid of it. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Since 1982, Vital Signs and Graphics has been helping professionals with all their image, logo, and design needs. Perhaps you're looking for signs and banners, truck and trailer lettering, business cards, brochures, or other image and marketing aids 
Vital Signs and Graphics in-house design studio has you covered. From logos to apparel, start to finish, Vital Signs and Graphics has everything you need to look and feel professional. Call Rick at 231-652-3300. He'll get you noticed. And now back to Focused on Forward. Okay. So how do people come to identify the fact that they're dealing with shame and guilt when they're trying to move forward in their life? Because many of them have, you know, is it is it because there's the stigma that's attached with whatever it is they're trying to work through? Or or how do how do people come, I guess, just roundabout, how do people come to acknowledge that this is an issue that they've got to move past? Okay. When shame, guilt, now they're the Shame is bad and guilt is good. That's not it. Shame is unconscious and guilt is conscious. So I call it shame, guilt, energy. There's no healthy poison. Shame is just as bad, dangerous to us as guilt. Okay? okay. So when someone feels, oh, they've been shamed or feel guilt, my recommendation, and this is for the... Um, the takeaway today that people can use rather than going into more hours, because we could spend a day on this, but a shortcut would be, you feel that shame, guilt energy, or you feel this, or I didn't good, I've been bad, whatever. And it's a shame, guilt scar that's in us. So we can say, okay, shame, guilt does not belong to me. Okay, that's not going to get rid of it, but it's going to help your trajectory. Like I'm putting you on a new road where we're going to get rid of it. Are we going to get rid of it, all of it? Not today, but we know how to do it. And that's what I'm teaching you. Take shame, guilt thoughts and put them on the side. Knowing that shame, guilt is not of you. Humanity is not supposed to have shame, guilt energy. It's been put upon us. That's a long story, but just entertain me. It was put upon us. So okay. therefore we can take it away from us. So now I would suggest, oh, what else do I feel? Well, I feel really depressed and sad and not good. Okay, start writing or thinking about high feeling not good. How are you today? Thank you for coming to talk to me because your emotions are talking to you. When you're depressed, your depression part of yourself is talking to you. They're, okay, and I have a DVD on YouTube that explains what I'm talking about and how to do this. We all know that we are a composite of many voices. And I'm saying to you, start communicating with your voice. I start, I said, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm tired of talking to other people. I'm going to talk to myself. And I start talking to my depression, high depression, what do you have to say to me? I'm not getting rid of it. I'm not tapping it away. I'm acknowledging it. Like Tim said, Lois, can you talk to me? I said, of course, Tim, I'm talking to you. Depression's coming to you, not to make you feel bad, but that's who the voice inside of you is. And you say, hi, depression, so happy you came to talk to me. Do you see how I'm giving you a different perspective? Yeah, I get it. And that's the road we take. Now, these emotional voices of ourselves are the ones that hold the shame, guilt, energy. So once we talk with them, they get rid of the shame, guilt, energy. 
but it's their choice. We don't tell them to do that. And we can't do it in five minutes. You know, you develop a relationship with yourself and, you know, about a couple of days and things of that sort. And then you can get rid of that um, shame, guilt, energy. Now, what you talked about is the shame, guilt, stigma or the shame, guilt, scar. Right. Now, that's probably when you're two or three or four. Who knows? You had a shaming event. You know, um, you know, you wet your pants or something, you know, and everybody shamed you or right. like, like me in class, the, the teacher shamed me because I couldn't read. And that first shame, guilt experience made a shame, guilt scar within you, your emotional body. Okay. So therefore, when you're a teenager and you ask the girl out and he says, no, you're shamed again. And that piles more on that shame, guilt scar. And then you get married and something happens there. You get more shame, guilt. It goes on that scar. So what I'm saying to you is that shame, guilt builds upon itself. And that's why when we're 40 and 50, you have midlife crisis or whatever, because the shame, guilt has been building and building and building. And I'm saying to you that we need to keep taking it away, taking it away, taking it away, and then learn what behaviors it is. And when someone starts shaming you, you go, I give it back. It isn't mine to own. You get really good at that. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, I'm sure of that. You know, I was thinking, though, because with like people who are dealing with uh, struggling with abuse or addiction or things like that, when, when I was mentioning the stigma, I was thinking along the lines of, of people being afraid to talk about it because of the shame that they feel because of the stigmas that are attached. Exactly. To because the culture the has taught us to be shameful. Right. And that's why I'm bringing it out. And they said, oh, you should call yourself a healing counselor or a shaman. Or I said, no, I need to make the word shame and guilt. Okay. To say when we're doing healing, every person, 100% of us has dealt with shame and guilt. When people say to you, oh, you can't talk about that or you don't feel to talk about it, it's you are bringing up their shame and guilt. That's why they don't want you to talk about it. But let me tell you, it's very, and that's why I started this Facebook community group where people can talk about the shame and guilt and nobody's gonna say, don't talk about it because my group is called shame and guilt. <laughs> that's what we talk about. Sure. Yeah. So let's talk about your Facebook group. Tell us, you know, what, what do you guys talk about in there? What is the, the name of the group? Where can people, obviously they can find it on Facebook, but what do they search if they're interested in joining this group and, and learning more about how to remove the stigma from them that other people have put upon them? Exactly. Put upon them. Great. Cause that's what it is. And then since they put upon us, we put it upon ourselves. Right. Okay. So we dig the hole deeper. This week is the first week that I start inviting people to the shame, guilt community group, and it's called the shame, guilt stoppers. Okay. That's what we do. The, we shame, stop guilt the shame, guilt stoppers. And on they Facebook. stop it on Facebook. And when we first join, I have uh, probably be 20 podcasts on my website. And I would ask them to view that because they'll give you more background of what I'm talking about. Okay. So that you can have more language and feel more comfortable in it. 
Also on my website, I have a free ebook. It's called 500 Questions, One Answer. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. So I'm glad you brought okay. that up. Now you're not gonna get 500 questions and 500 answers in one email because you, you'd probably shoot me. So <laughs> I put 25, sec, 25, sec, 20 segments of 25 questions and you'll get every week, you'll get 25 questions and answers that you can digest it. So what does this do? Over the course of all these years, I've been doing this counseling, people ask me all these questions. So I decided to put them in a book. And what this does is gives you 500 ways that shame and guilt can affect you. Okay. So this will teach you what are shame, guilt behaviors. So when someone starts doing the question that you were reading, you say, oh, that's shame and guilt behavior. Ah. I don't accept that because I'm getting rid of it. I'm not accepting anymore. And what this will do will make you more confident in talking with people about anything because you don't care. I mean, you don't have the shame, guilt, stigma because you know what it is. The main reason that shame and guilt has defeated all of us is because we didn't know what it was. I'm calling out the, the monster. I'm giving the monster a name and I'm telling you what it does. And okay. it's not of you. Okay. Now you mentioned too, that there are shame and guilt behaviors. What are some of those behaviors so that people who are listening can kind of identify some of those things where they, they could go, you know, maybe this is, this is something that would be beneficial for me because I see myself acting in this way, Perfect. or I see this, this behavior coming up in me. That, what are some of and those? That's the, that's step number one. Well, I'm looking at my book and um, one of them is you, um, the mother says to the kid, you better give that package to me because if you don't, I'll tell you, no, oh, this is friends, excuse me. I'm sorry, mothers, two kids fighting. You better give that package to me or I will tell the teacher that you cheated on today's test. That's bullying. So the kid said, please, please don't, don't, don't tell me because my dad gave me that package and I want it. But they'll bully you and say, I'll tell somebody on you. I'll tell you the teacher that, you know, cheated on you. And so you would have to say, okay, that's a shame thing. You say, I don't accept your shame. And then you walk away. You don't, the shamer gets a great deal of satisfaction by shaming you. They feel very good. They may not say it consciously, but unconsciously they feel good because they got rid of some shame. See, everybody okay. wants to get rid of shame, but they right, do one it unconsciously. One way or another. One way or the other. Another one is, um, Say, mom, the kid says to the mom, Mary, mom, my cat, Mary, my friend's cat died and I played with him every day after school. I really, really miss it. And the mother says, it's only a cat. Go do your homework. I have to cook dinner. 
See, it's it, your feelings are not recognized. And when your feelings are not recognized, you're shamed for having those feelings. Okay. Because somebody would say, um, and they teach this in communications, like, oh, I had a hard day and this happened and, you know, I couldn't get this, this and I didn't get the, the food done. I didn't get my homework done. And then the person say, well, tomorrow will be better. They teach you to say, oh, I'm sad. Don't say it's shameful. I'm sad that you had a hard day. Um, let's go out for, you know, a coffee and we'll, maybe that will make you feel better or maybe it'll help out or something. But you acknowledge someone's feelings. That's, that's okay. the first rule in communications. Another one is denial. Oh, a little bit of shame never hurt anybody. It didn't hurt me. And you're all crippled down in denial. What's a little bit of shame? I right. use it all the time. Right. And, and look at our advertisements. Oh, if you don't buy this car, then the neighbors are going to think you're really poor and you don't have the latest convenience. Shame on you. Right, right. I mean, okay, that's not so much now because we're all in crisis and we're lucky to even have a car. But I'm talking about 10 years ago. Well, it's. I think it's still a very valid point with advertising because you look at the way that things are are pointed, especially towards uh, young women and the advertising, and you have to dress this way. You have to have this style of makeup or you have to wear this style of thing. Or if you're not, then you're not this or you're not that. And I think that that in, inputs... Uh, a level of shame and, and uh, onto, um, you know, just about anybody who's, who's affected by that, that particular advertising, because if you don't have this thing, then you're not up to this level. And therefore you're not good enough. Correct. Yeah. And that's still a very, that's still a very well-used uh, advertising trope. So unfortunately. Yeah. But you know, what we can do with the adversity that's out there now is that we can work with ourselves inside of us. We can work with our emotions. We can learn what shame guilt behaviors are and not use them on ourselves or others. Now, there is one other thing that, that's very helpful. And the reason I call my film that I'm creating, I'm good. Because every time I did something correctly, I, I, I get lost a lot because I still have some dyslexia. So whenever doing, I got you're to- You're doing just fine. But I'm doing okay. They say dyslexia, dyslexia people are very creative. So I said, okay, I'll go for that one. Anyway, so uh, I'm much better than I used to be, but I would get lost a lot. And when I did find the place that I wanted to go to, I'd go, Lois, you did good. Or Lois, you only got lost one time. You did so good. I complimented myself. Self-affirmation. Okay. And for every negative in, uh, response that we receive, we need about three positive ones to offset it. Seems about so I, right. I even made a recording of my, and when you, when you, when up your mind hears I'm good or I did good in our own voice, it means a thousand times more than someone giving you a compliment. So that's something, even if you feel bad about yourself, you said, I did good. I burnt all those French fries. I didn't leave one, <laughs> I didn't leave one unaffected. You can turn any negative around. Right, yeah. I burnt the entire dinner, let's go out. I did so good. 
That's right. Well, it's, yeah, it's so a matter of perspective, how you view it and how you, how you choose to move forward from that, that point. And it does work. Okay. Does it work? Does it get rid of everything? No, but you got to do it a lot of times because you got a lot of negative inputs and it's kind of funny after a while you can really do good. <laughs> so I recognize that we're trying to cram a lot of information into a, a short window here. And, and I I'm hoping that the audience as they're listening to this recognizes that we're just hitting the highlights of, of what this conversation could be, or really what this conversation should be uh, if they were to talk with you one-on-one -on -one and have a session. Um, now, I understand that that from your website, which is loishollis.com, L-O-I-S-H-O-L-L-I-S.com, loishollis.com, if you go there, you can see the book that was referenced, the five, uh, 500 questions uh, have one answer. Um, and then there's also her movie that she was talking about, I'm Good. Which but is in production, all, not ready yet. Is, not ready yet. I'm sorry. There That's is a trailer okay. for it, though. There, I saw that. Oh yeah, um, in the on the website. Yeah, there's a there's a little uh, YouTube link there to for a little bit of a uh, a teaser trailer about what it's going to be about, and then also um, there's opportunity for folks to sign up for uh, a session with you. So it talks about a uh, free 15 minute session. Kind of just real briefly review with us what is uh, one of those sessions typically consist of. What are you hoping to identify there and and moving forward with it with a potential client? Well, it's it's a, a personal talk for about 15 minutes that we are having here today because everybody has a different focus of shame and guilt of what happened to them in their life and i can talk with them about that specific point and how we could move forward in releasing that energy that shame guilt scar or um oh pinpoint that started all of the cascading of shame and guilt. Okay. Sometimes you get, they get session right away and sometimes not. I mean, you need more time than that, but it gives you an introduction, gives a person an introduction of how I work because my work is very unique. Sure. So people don't have an idea of how I work. So it gives them an opportunity to hear me and how I would help them through this crisis. But also just going to the Facebook community group, they're going to get a lot of input there. And I'm sure. Yeah. And so you can do that and then you can do a session with me, however it works for you. I'm here to help raise the consciousness. I'm how, when I realized that shaming guilt was my only obstacle, I was the happiest person alive because there was hope and a way out of this shame guilt mess. Okay. Yeah. So guys, if you go to her website, there's a lot of information there. There's, there's more than we can well talk about right here, right now. There's um, there, her email address is on there. Her phone number is on there. You have uh, links to all of her socials, including uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, it looks like Twitter. Uh, so there's very many ways for you to get in touch with Lois. Uh, but I strongly recommend that if you guys are, are looking for a way to help you become more focused on forward, if you're looking for ways to help you to become more, uh, well, better in, in handling the shame and guilt, the stigmas that have been placed upon you, this would be a good place for you guys to start and it would be a good place for you to find some help and some resources for you to be able to do that. And Lois, of course, is one of those resources. So Lois, thank you so much for being on Focused on Forward today. This has been a very pleasurable conversation. 
I would like to add something. To yeah, me. please do. I would like to add that some people go on the internet and <clears throat> look to find these resources that I have. No one is doing this work. Some people are doing shame, guilt, and res resilience and um, tolerance and how can we manage it. I am not managing it. I'm kicking it out of us. There you go. You're looking to and eradicate. No, and, and nobody else is doing what I'm doing. I'm very blessed to have this, but I'm not greedy in this. I'm trying to spread it around, but no, they're no, not going to find it on the internet unless you look under my name. Perfect. Okay. Well, that's even more reason to go to loishollis.com. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Well, again, Lois, thank you so much for being a guest today on Focused on Forward. We have truly appreciated our conversation with you. Thank you for the opportunity and bless you. Well, thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening today. That's going to conclude us for Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.